Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Guys, guys, I'm hiding from the government right now. They've raided my place. They've got guns. They saw that I know too much. I know too much about what's going on in the blasted government. So I'm hiding from them. I really could use monetary support in order to get enough money to persuade the government in a monetary fashion to stop bothering me and that I'm no threat. And one way you could do that is subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash MatthewDonald. There you can find bonus content for both my podcast, The Ripwit and Paleobites. For the Paleobites bonus content, we discuss pop culture featuring prehistoric animals. And this month we're talking about The Lamb Before Time, the classic 1988 Don Bluth movie with a hell of a lot of sequels. But we don't talk about any of the sequels. We talk about the original movie. I, I, I hear there's footsteps. They're coming closer! Oh, wait, no. Okay, that was just my cat. Go away, cat. You're gonna give away my hiding spot. Link is in the description where you can sign up to the Patreon. Thank you for your support, and have a lovely day. Have a better day than I am. Wait. What's that? Ah! Ah! Roar. Growl. Snarl. Welcome to Paleo Bites, the podcast that's the eroded remnants of something far better, surely. <laughs> My name is Matthew Dahl, and each week I, in a rotating series of guest co-hosts, talk about and rate a genus of prehistoric animal, be it dinosaur, mammal, arthropod, and so on. This week I'm joined by someone who has fought tooth and nail against the transit customers of all of Denver. <laughs> they, you might want to add Longmont to that. And Longmont and like just all this part of Colorado. She has fought and conquered her way <laughs> across the transit and transportation districts of the, the entire part of the state. It's Natasha Crack. How are you? I'm doing well. Oh, good. Yes, me and my crazy bus stories. For some reason, you all seem to like those. Yeah, no, they're, they're great. Like, And also... Like, just the things you've survived, man. How many broken bones do you... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, none from this line of work. Eh, give it time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm in the job that long, um, to our listeners, please call in and question my sanity. Okay, well here... At that point, I've lost it. Okay, so I've already asked you about, um, what, if you could bring a dinosaur to you know, your work, which would you do and why? Uh, here's a slightly different variation of that question. Say you worked at uh, as a bus driver forever. <laughs> um, you have a big, scary dinosaur locked up and ready to go. <laughs> How long would it take for you to unleash that thing? Let's be honest, at this point, not very. <laughs> like, before you just go on, all right, that's it, Rex! <laughs> Well, let's be honest. I can tell you the answer with me <laughs> and several of my coworkers. Less than five minutes. Oh wow! You better Every quit right, right now. I guess you don't have a T Rex at your disposal, so no. And it's 
probably a good thing that me and my coworkers don't have one of those. Yeah. Um, many cities <laughs> might have problems. Yeah. Well, if you got T Rex, other people got T Rexes, though. I'm assuming so. Probably. And the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a T Rex is a good guy with a T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> so. Thing is, we're all chaotic neutral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what is it like those Nazi experiments that just try and push you and push you until you go absolutely insane? Oh, the. <laughs> The U.S. government did some of those, too. Yeah, but I'm just saying that's kind of like what you're going. <laughs> uh, we have our ways. Dark humor. Yeah. That wouldn't be appropriate for this show. Yeah, I, I think kids, some kids listen to the show because it's about prehistoric creatures. So, so for their sake and oh. the respect of their parents, I'm going to keep the dark humor out of it. Oh, one thing you can do, though, because I, I think I've told you this before, but you can swear now because I have a velociraptor screech noises at the ready. <laughs> So feel free to let loose if you want. <laughs> well, I haven't fed anybody to the sharks yet, and don't ask where I've gotten the sharks. Oh, okay. I don't ask where my coworkers get the sharks. <laughs> we just call it supervillain supply. How do you get a shark on the bus, though? <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> Supervillainy. Well, it's like, you have you seen the second Madagascar movie? <laughs> I've seen those, yes. Remember that scene where, like, that one lemur washes up on the beach, and then the shark leaps out of the water and chases him, and then, like, he tries to run to the jungle, and the shark is just worming its way, trying to eat him. And then, like, half an hour later, he go he meets up with the others in the middle of the Serengeti, and the shark is still trying to chase him. No, I think we'd be more along the lines of Despicable Me and, uh... Oh, uh, yeah. Vector's, uh, squid he is gun? A squid gun, yeah. Squid gun, yeah. Um, we don't talk about what's... You have a shark gun? <laughs> we don't talk about the shark cannon. Oh, God. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's so scary. I... We just tell people it's a potato cannon. No wonder I take the light rail for my transport for the most part. Or a car. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh... Super villainy supplies, everybody. Okay, Super well, villainy supplies incorporated. Speaking <laughs> of a creature that... This isn't... Okay, it's not anything to do with it. This is no way you could use this creature... In a supervillain plot, unless you want to turn people into this creature, I guess. Um, uh, we're talking about one of the earliest cre creatures we've had on the show, and, one, and definitely one of the earliest big creatures. Uh, we're talking about Charnia, which means of the Charnwood Forests, wherever that is. <laughs> I would have to look at my mythology. Yeah, it sounds mythological, doesn't it? Uh does. Yeah, it's like... Maybe even Arthurian. Yeah, ooh, yeah. I was like, what What was in Greek mythology where like, the Hesperoides trees, or... Yeah, every set of mythology has its tree, Yggdrasil. or trees. Yes, Yggdrasil. Oh, yeah, Yggdrasil. Yeah, that's how it's pronounced. Not Yggdrasil. It's anglicizing <laughs> it. Uh, let's see. What are the eight, the eight uh, Far East trees? What do they have? Oh, I'm not as familiar with Far Eastern mythologies as I, know I would Jap like to be. I know this isn't mythological, but Japan has some great cherry blossoms. Oh, they do. I would love to travel mm -hmm. there someday during uh, cherry blossom season. Yeah, uh, when my friend of the show and my co-host of the Ritwet, Matt, Matt David, went there, uh, when he lived lived there for five years doing work there, he made a point to, whenever it was cherry blossom season, to go out and walk amongst them. Like, oh, it's great nice. stuff. Great stuff. Uh, anyways, type... Uh, this is currently classified as a Pelotonamid, an extinct phylum of basal animals. Yes, this was an animal. What? <laughs> I mean, coral's an animal. Yeah, well, coral's also like, it's it's not like one punk of coral is one animal, though. No. It's polyps, you know? Like, it is. Same with sea anemones. Yeah, that's true. And sea sponges. Yes, that's true. 
Oh, man. And those survive today. They do. They absolutely do. Uh, those can move a little bit, though. Well, I guess cor- uh, sea enemies can't, but sponges can. Uh, there's a term for animals that can't move, or organisms that can't move. We'll get to it here, though. Um, all right, so size, it's uh, minimum is one inch or three centimeters tall, but the maximum is 6.5 feet or two meters tall. For that time, though, that's impressive. That is probably the biggest living thing ever at that point. Like Probably. Like, the, like diet unknown, but currently proposed to use its fern-like fronds to filter feed nutrients from chemicals. That would make sense that it would be a filter feeder, though. Yes. Especially early on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, time, uh, here's a new word for us, the late Ediacaran, or Ediacaran. Uh, it's, uh, okay, so you know the Cambrian period, right? Yes. This is the period before that. Ah. Uh. 570 to 550 million years ago. Nice. And since this is before the Cambrian, there's also in the Phanerozoic Eon. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing any of these words. Um, the, the part of the geological time scale that we're still in today, this was before that, the Phanerozoic Eon. This is the point, and this point in time is at the very end of the Proterozoic Eon. And, and by the way, the, or- the order of timeline divisions are, from shortest to longest, ages, epochs, periods, eras, eons, and super-eons. <laughs> Although, the only super-eon is the Precambrian one. For some reason, we're not one anymore here in the Phanerozoic Eon. Eh. But the pr- post-Precambrian super-eon, is that what it is? But pr- post-pre is an awkward prefix. <laughs> um, but so right now, assuming we're not in the Anthropocene epoch... Since that one hasn't officially been recognized, there's no ages dividing yet. So if we're not in that, we are in the Meghalian Age, in the Holocene Epoch, in the Quaternary Period, in the Cenozoic Era, and the Phanerozoic Eon. Lovely how they break these down. Exactly. But the further back you go, the less likely you're able to to break it down to get specific ages or epochs. As material from back then is so scarce, it would be impossible to categorize it all so intricately. Mm-hmm. Charnia, for instance, is only from the Edicarian period in the Neo-Proterozoic Neo era and the Proterozoic Eon and the Precambrian Super-Eon. Phew. <laughs> well, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, location, England, Australia, Russia, and Canada. Interesting. I, I would wager a bet that one of those places has the Charnwood Forest. <laughs> Probably does. Uh, it was described in 1973... Uh, pop culture appearances? There's actually one. What? <laughs> there actually is one. The British documentary First Life, uh, narrated by David Attenborough, has one. Nifty. Yeah, oh, but that's like all I could find. But I'm mostly amazed I found anything at all featuring this thing. Good on you, Attenborough. Here's your cookie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. So back in the days of yore, uh, and by yore, I mean before the Cambrian explosion created the vast multitude of clades and phyla alive today, the world was a small place. I mean, okay, actually it was pretty much the exact same size as it is now, but I mean the life forms inhabiting the world were small. <laughs> uh, we're talking, I, I guess by that logic then, the, the world was huge. <laughs> because everything living in it was so small that it seemed bigger. But anyway, we're, we're talking like creatures were maybe a few inches or so at most. While most life back then was completely alien, unlike anything alive today, there were a few recognizable types of animals such as jellyfish and sponges of course yeah but, you know the design works yeah that's just so weird that's so weird to think of animals that predated the cambrian explosion like it that's yes but if they had to survive it had to be simple like because yeah it's just it's crazy like 
you don't have to get religious here, except not really. It's more to use a religious allegory. The Cambrian explosion is basically evolution saying, let there be life. <laughs> it really is. Like, that's when most it things... It really is. That's when life was trying yeah. out new designs. Yeah, where things and were... it just so quickly, just boom, all these different creatures. And not all of them worked. Yeah, but a lot of the ones that we have around today came from back then. So. True. That At least something in, in, this... in the DNA worked. Yeah, exactly. Uh, most Chardia fossils we found are no exception in this small sort of phase. Uh, but there were a few that were, for the time, absolute behemoths. <laughs> Some Charnia fronds could get up to six and a half feet tall, making them the largest organisms ever in Earth's history to that point. I mean, that's even a pretty good size today. Yeah, like if I was swimming and I saw this thing... And it was just, that, I'd be impressed. Six and a half feet, that's taller than me. Uh, me too. I it's, only know a few people that are over six and a half You know feet some tall. people personally that are more than six and a half feet tall? Yes, I do. Wow. I'm related to some of them. Whoa, wow. Oh, I guess I can see that. You're pretty tall. <laughs> oh, you haven't met my mom's side of the family. Oh, uh, yeah. I think I remember your mom, though. And I remember My dad being... is 6'1". My middle brother is at least 6'5", if not 6'7". Yeah, I'm just a measly 6'1". <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Matt David is like 5'8", put bless his soul. <laughs> Tom Cruise is 5'7". <laughs> yeah, height runs in my family. I just happen to be the one who looks like a Viking. Ah, yes. Yeah, you do look like a Viking. <laughs> hey, next time I go to Starfest, you should dress up as a Viking. Oh, don't give me the excuse. <laughs> like, stereotypical Viking, like not historical. It's like horn, <laughs> horn helmets. Like bearskin, maybe not real, not real bearskin, obviously. But uh, well, well, unless you know, you see, uh, my like, dad has one. When from when I was wee wee baby, you seem like went, the kind of person who would go out and. Well, I, not that you would. You love nature, but if you wanted to, my dad could, does have a black bear. Skin. You could go out and just kill a bear and skin it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that takes a lot of time and effort to get the license. Because Colorado, I yeah. love you. You are amazingly strict on... Well, and good on them. We shouldn't skin bears, but... <laughs> no, I think it's beautiful how protective we are in Colorado yes, over it's our wildlife. Yes, it's great. Uh, anyway, so imagine like a little bitty, little bitty Precambrian creature swimming up to this thing and seeing this gigantic group of fronds and look up at it and be like, Oh boy, that's so big! I mean, it'd be like us swimming through a modern kelp forest. Yeah, and I'm so small! But <laughs> Well, it's like, it'd be like if us swimming through a kelp forest, but everything else is our size. Like, every tree, every, like, other animal, every form of life is our size, and then suddenly we swim to this giant kelp forest. That's actually a fun mental image. Oh boy, it's so big, and I'm so small, and everything is so small, but this is so big, I can't handle it! My primitive <laughs> brain can't handle it! Ah! <laughs> Shoots itself. <laughs> this happened all the time back then, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Totally accurate, everybody, totally accurate. <laughs> Now, this thing may look like a plant. And honestly, you might look at it and think, why in the world would they think this isn't a plant? Look at it. It's got fern leaves, for God's sakes. <laughs> but here's the thing. Based on the fossil beds where Charnia was found, it lived in deep water, well below where photosynthesis can occur. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This area where plants live in the ocean is called the photic zone and the photic zone the area in which sunlight can still penetrate through the water, and is usually up to 200 meters deep, although exceptionally clear murky water can mean the depth of the zone varies. That's fair. Uh, Charnia lived well below the photic zone, and thus couldn't be a plant, as it couldn't get enough sunlight for photosynthesis, and thus, animal it was. Uh, we know that in places in nature, the line between plant and animal blurs a lot. It does, it does. Are there, are there any animals that are photosynthetic, though? There sh- that'd be cool. I know that sloths have a symbiotic relationship with moss. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's more of the closest we can get to it. Like That's one the, that I can think of the, offhand. Did they absorb the nutrients from the moss? I'd have to check on that one. But I know that they've got a symbiotic relationship because they're so slow moving that it allows the moss to grow. Yeah, but, yeah. It was like, but what does the moss do for it? I guess camouflage. But there is that. Uh, oh man, I went to the Denver Zoo recently, and uh, they that one area, the jungle area that you can go into, like indoors. And there's this area where like climbing sort of things, and there was a sloth up there, and I got to see it climb right above me. So. I just came back from Minnesota a few days ago. Yes. Como Zoo and their conservatory. Their conservatory is something else. There's yeah. a whole section where you, there's whole sections you can just walk around it and be around exotic plants. Ooh. There's a, even a section where they have a sloth Aww. hanging around. I got some decent photos of the sloth. Did you get to hug the sloth? Or no, hold the it sloth? was way up high. Oh, that's a shame. It was a little sloth. I'm it not, was kind of cute. I know, exactly. I'm not quite at Kristen Bell level where I just go crazy about sloths, <laughs> but they are very cute. They are cute. And also, apparently, like, when I saw the sloth, I was a bit nervous that uh, it would poop on us. But according to uh, the, the person there who works there, he said, oh, no, they don't poop while hanging from a tree. They, they go down to a certain place to poop. So there was no threat to us <laughs> looking up at it. They would nice. just poop at us. So that's good. Well, yeah, the Como Zoo, if you ever get a chance in the Twin Cities, is beautiful. Well, there's some great zoos out there. The Omaha Zoo is amazing. Nice. Omaha itself is eh. <laughs> Nebraska, it's in Nebraska. Nebraska's own is eh. <laughs> <laughs> Omaha Zoo is great, though. <laughs> Noted. And for us in Colorado, that's not too far a drive. Uh, seven hours, I think, maybe, or something. Give or take. Yeah. All right, so Charnia is what's known as a sessile organism. Or something fixed in one place. Uh, other animal examples of this include barnacles and coral. Uh, still, the fact that this thing was so weird and plant-like, but an animal, makes it kind of freaky to me. It is until you see modern animals that have the same yeah. lifestyle. Well, like you're talking about with the anemone. I wonder if this thing was like the anemone that could zap you or something. No, it wouldn't sting you. Probably not, though, because what it would sting not. against, but... Yeah, it probably... Venom probably hadn't developed by then. No, absolutely not. That's a pretty recent thing. Like, uh, 
I want to, there probably were some creatures that were symbiotic with it, though, in some way. Probably, because yeah. we know symbiosis is a great survival mechanism. Yeah, and this and like like this may have been a long time ago, but life as a whole had been around for way longer than this. Like this isn't even like like I think life first evolved. I think about three and a half to maybe even four billion years ago. Now, granted, it was very simple for most of that time. Well, life had to start simple. Yeah, and you don't like, just get complexity overnight. Multicellular organisms first evolved, like, I think one and a half billion years ago? I'd have to double check. Yeah, like... And then there are all those times where there was a snowball earth. <laughs> You've heard of the snowball earth? Yep. Yeah, it's happened multiple times. It's a bit scary. And it'll probably happen again. Yeah, I'm not to that level, though. Hard to say. I say just sure, but not to a point where the average temperature is like negative 50 degrees Celsius. <laughs> uh, that probably won't happen again. Yeah, and hopefully. That would take some incredible circumstances. Well, what happened then, I think the first time, was like, since there was the first plants, like, and they were getting single-celled plants, but uh, they were enough to start adding oxygen to the atmosphere. And adding oxygen when most of the time it was like 99% and all this other stuff uh that started to really have a chain reaction real fast before it oh, stabilized sure. <laughs> like so ah, but periods of instability are natural for the earth mm-hmm. even mm. before us humans oh way before um but anyway so that yeah that's charnia i mean it's pretty cool like if i got this big fern like thing but from way back i mean that's one of those creatures that would be actually rather interesting to see alive oh yeah absolutely yeah, I could, I could see it in a zoo or something, or an aquarium, I mean, but... Uh, yeah, I could see it as well. Yeah, probably it is. You know, I've seen a lot of creatures like this thing. <laughs> what if that's Charnia? What if there's a big conspiracy? <laughs> oh, the conspiracies. Charnia's still around today, guys. I mean, there are animals that, when I saw the picture, it made me think of. They're called sea pens. Mm. That What's a sea pen? Uh, they are a stationary organism. Yeah. They have... Uh, fern-like fronds. They're actually rather interesting little buggers. They sound interesting. Yeah, I encourage our listeners to look them up. Oh, yeah. You can find them on coral reefs, mostly. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll look it up. I'm assuming they're not six feet tall. No. Yeah, like... They're small, they're delicate, but they are beautiful. Yeah. Oh, wow, that sounds pretty. Yeah, it's true. Like, I guess, I mean, there would be no reason for this to be colorful because it was back when there weren't really eyes or anything or any purpose for it. But I guess that could also mean it could have been colorful without anyone knowing. Uh, the sad thing about the fossil record is pigment often doesn't survive. Yeah. We've, we've started to get some better ideas about the colors of certain dinosaurs, like because of the feathers and like the yes. way, way we can figure it out. Uh, so some dinosaurs were really colorful, man. That makes sense. A lot of birds are really colorful. Yeah, so. it really does make sense that because birds are descended from dinosaurs, there would be color. Yeah, exactly. And unlike us uh, gray and boring mammals. <laughs> Although, uh, I've actually read the reason why you don't see any, like, blue or green mammals or anything like that. It's actually, it's not because it's impossible with fur, although it would be very difficult for it to evolve. It's more because most mammals are colorblind. Ah. So, like, primates are, like, the only mammals that aren't colorblind, or for the most part. Well, that's interesting to think about. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a wonder we haven't evolved more colors because of that. Well, I mean, if you look at, like, certain monkeys, like the mandrills, they're Fair quite enough. colorful. I mean, that's not their fur, though, so I no. don't know. But maybe, maybe if it is impossible for fur to be blue or whatever. But then again, you got some cats that are kind of like, they're not blue, but they're, like, white enough. 
to kind of gray enough, gray, white and gray enough to kind of look blue under certain light. I like, mean, there's a cat called the Russian Blue, oh, and they are true. beautiful. They're they look more like a storm cloud. Yeah, yeah, no, that is pretty. Yeah, there was a professor at UNC who had one. Oh, really? That's cool. I don't know the professor's all I rem- name. All I remember about Russian Blue was uh. Was in the movie Cats and Dogs. Remember Cats and Dogs? <laughs> That's a throwback. Oh, that is a throwback. And since it was a spy movie, the Russian Blue had like a Russian accent. Well, of course. It's like the German uh, Shepherd being on later in the court, like nine, nine. Ah <laughs> 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 oh, man. Uh, anyways, let's rate Charnia one out of sixty-five million. Uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, it has the gimmick of being a really big animal of its time but it is kind of a one-trick pony yeah give it like 30 million though like i think it's cool what about you honestly if i were to see it today i'd be interested in it yeah i'm gonna stick with 30 million as well because i would be interested in seeing this thing in a zoo or an aquarium well i think that's true but like just in in context though of like nothing else that we know of was this big back then? Mm-hmm. Like that's crazy. Like, and and like I guess you know since like I said some of them were like one inch tall. There could have been forests of these where like you start out with some that are kind of little, but then there are certain areas where they get more nutrients or wherever, and they or start getting really it's big. It's all mixed together, kind of like an aspen grove. That's kind of what I'm wondering. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, is it like an aspen and that's all the same organism though? Or? That would be that would be interesting. But with an aspen grove, you do get all the aspens at different stages of growth. Right, exactly. So you have some charnia that are like a couple inches tall, then you got some that are like a foot tall, some that are like two feet tall, and then there's that one part of, where they're all six feet tall or something. Yeah, so. that would be interesting to know if they lived in groves like that. That'd be cool. Well, there's, there's not really much around to eat them back then, so... Yeah. So communal living would have been a beneficial. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's it for this week. If you want to get a hold of the show, you can contact me at mattsd at mathedoncreator.com for any general questions to either co-host. If you want to follow me on social media, I forgot to say that last time. <laughs> you can follow me at mathedoncreator on Facebook, at mathedon64 on Twitter, and mathedon64 on Instagram. Uh, if you're interested in writing, I have a book series. Wait. <laughs> I mix these. I'm getting to the point where I mix these up in my head all the time. <laughs> Done so many of these, you'd think these would be like just off the cuff, just like immediately just <laughs> but nah so yeah. if you're interested in writing I have another podcast called The Rit Wit where two twits talk about writing with Matt David who we've mentioned on the show to this episode a couple times great guy I also have a book series on Amazon Megazoic available for print and Kindle Dinosaur Sci-Fi there's a whole section of the book dedicated to Charnia no there isn't <laughs> <laughs> this is well before Char- well after Charnia so Charnia was well before when this book takes place Plus, I hadn't only heard of Charnia relatively recently, and I'm just like, oh, six something six foot tall, but in the pre-Cambrian period, I gotta do an episode <laughs> on it. I love big things. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's it for this week. As to say, the end of every episode of Paleo Bites, uh, I'm just gonna do a swaying motion, like fronds in the currents. Actually, no, we we're doing it like opposite. Let's do it mirrored here, like this. Ooh, listeners can totally see us swaying like this. Yeah, I'm going to go like this, so maybe the microphone can hear something different. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 